Holy Week didn't begin as we expected. The king arriving on a donkey, announcing his kingship. A kingship, but, but not in the way that anyone expected, not in the way that even today we expect. And now we arrive at Good Friday. Although sometimes it's a wonder why we don't call it Bad Friday. And the text in John chapter 19 tells us the story like this. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. The king is now beaten and presented to us in a mocking fashion, with torturous crown crashing down into his scalp. Like, this is not the king we expected. And yet despite this, the crucifixion, with all its scandal and paradox, is the touchstone of Christian authenticity, the unique feature by which everything else, including the resurrection, is given its true significance. Like the crucifixion of Jesus impacts everything. It changes our perspectives on everything. It creates new possibilities for everything. And yet the Bible consistently holds to the same line. The crucifixion, this is God with us. This is God in flesh. In chapter 1 of John's story, his gospel, verse 14, he told us that Jesus is the word become flesh and lived amongst us. Like, I love that. Jesus as the word of God. Jesus is what God has to say. So even though this trial, lynching, beating scene isn't what we expected John's gospel to tell us, it is the king. Like, this is the word of God in flesh. So the story continues its way through. It says, once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to him, Pilate said to them, here is the man. Now pause for a second in this scene. Jesus, dressed mockingly like a king, Pilate, the Roman governor, says, here is the man. But there's two levels going on to this here. There's the scene of this man beaten and broken, mockingly presented to the crowd. But John's gospel has always drawn us back to other stories. At the very beginning of his gospel, he points out that Jesus is God's word, God in flesh with us. But John tells this story for us as a creation story. He tells us about the creation of the world and how Jesus was part of that. Now, this is quite fascinating because in the creation story, as the whole world is being put together, God puts one representative of himself into the Garden of Eden. He puts a human calls him Adam. And Adam is made and crafted in God's image. And he's designed to reflect God into the world. Some religions have statues of their God, have idols of their God, have images of their God. The, the creation story has a God who is being reflected into the world by this man, 
Adam. Of course, it all went entirely wrong. And therefore, we find this second man is sent to put things right, Jesus. So when Pilate brings Jesus out in front of the crowd and says, here is the man, don't miss that there's something else going on here because this is the human. This is the human that's going to fix everything even though that's not the story that Pilate's trying to tell, it's the story that the gospel is trying to tell. And it's hard to read this idea of Jesus as the human, presented to us as the reflection of God without being drawn over to the incredible poem in Colossians chapter 1, when Paul, writing about Jesus, says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him All things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones and dominions or rulers and powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Pilate says, here is the man. And you as a reader of the gospel of John realize it really is the man. This is the human. This is the human that's putting it all back together because this human, this human is also God and this is what God is like. Now the story of the cross, to try and understand all of that, is deep and difficult. We want to talk about the cross more. It's Good Friday. We want to talk about the cross lots You can join in afterwards and listen to more conversation on the cross in our podcast that we're putting together that you can listen to after this teaching. But the cross requires thinking and reflecting because if what Paul is talking about in Colossians is how we read it, the depth of the cross is beyond what we can get our head around. And it's all held in this man, Jesus. Here is the man. In Pilate's words, we're seeing something key. Like John has been telling us it all along. In chapter 1, verse 14, as we already said, God is here with us. God is here is the man. Not just that he's the archetypal human, the the God that's putting everything back together, but that he is here. God has come to us, which is good because it's utterly impossible for us to get to him. See, Good Friday and the cross don't tell the story about a spiritual journey, a route for us to get towards some form of spiritual enlightenment. The cross is a rescue story about a God who's coming here. The text continues. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, Will you take him and crucify him? Because as for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, like, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die, because he claimed to be the son of God. 
Now, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a a greater sin. Like here is the man. Jesus is God amongst us. But there's another human in this scene, Pilate. And I wonder if Pilate might not represent all of us. Like Pilate is conflicted. He's afraid and he's attempting to manage the situation. Like, here is the man he said one moment ago, but then where do you come from is, is this question that he asked. And of course, for you, the reader of John's gospel, you know the answer to this question. John told you in chapter one, he came from God. In Colossians one, we know that he came before all things. Jesus is God here with us. You're supposed to know the answer to this, Pilate, because we do. But Pilate is asking his questions out of fear. He's being slowly cornered by by the situation that he's found himself in. And this is difficult for Pilate because he likes to be in charge. He likes to be in control because, yep, Pilate is also a human. just a different type of human, a human like you and me, not like this king that's in his presence. But the situation that Pilate's in is getting away from him. He's not in control. So what does he do? Pilate does what all humans do. He starts throwing his weight around. He's afraid, he's cornered, and he's out of control. So he starts trying to exert himself. Don't you realize I have the power? It's the title throwdown, isn't it? The raised voice, the power move, the flex that we all make to try and establish ourselves. And I find myself as I read this moment in 2021, thinking that this scene is sort of an echo of the last year. Don't you know who I am? Like our year has been awash with this constant narrative about our rights, our freedoms, our authority. How are my rights and freedoms being impinged, infringed, or impacted? Whether we're talking about masks or distancing or gatherings, these difficult situations that we see as this imposition upon us. And the moment we feel like that, we start acting in fear. We start pushing back in anger. But there's two people in this scene, Pilate and Jesus. One with authority, one with not so much authority. One with actual authority and one without Like, who's who? Can you spot who actually has the power in the scene? Here's a clue. It's not the one shouting about his rights and his power. And Jesus responds by pointing out that authority is complex. It's not that Pilate doesn't have some power. It's that even the power he has was given to him by someone else. And here's the irony. If you understand the story, if he really is God in flesh... Pilate only has authority because Jesus gave it to him. The text continues. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. 
When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and he sat on the judge's seat at the place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. The story about John 19 is a story about a trial. But who is on trial? Like John does something really clever as he tells the story here. He uses some vague grammar and it just makes you want to ask a question. Go back and look at the text and answer this question. Who is sitting on the judge's seat? The text says Pilate brought Jesus out and he sat on the judge's seat. And it's ambiguous. And if you look in the Greek, it's ambiguous there as well. It's not clear. Historically, we know that it's likely Pilate would sit on the judge's seat. But in this scene, John starts to blur the grammar off because he wants you to see a second level that's going on here. Is Jesus on trial? At level one, yes, of course Jesus is on trial. But if you look deeper... Pilate is actually on trial. The religious leaders are on trial. The crowd is on trial because Jesus is the only one who sits in the judge's seat, which makes us ask the question, are we on trial? Well, that's not what we expected from the Good Friday story. But are we like Pilate? We fight scrap and manipulate to try and get things our way, to stamp our authority, to get what we want or we would like to happen? Or are we more like Jesus? You see, the trial asks us a question. Do we demand our rights and authority or do we reflect the image of God into the world? Like, are, are our attitudes our behaviors, our worldviews, are they in need of a trial? Which human in this story do they reflect? The human that echoes the way that God calls us to be or Pilate? And this is where the cross comes in, at the end of the story. Because you can choose to fight if you want. You can raise your voice and stamp your feet. The cross just reminds us that it's a waste of time. Fleming Rutledge calls us to see the cross as the crucifixion of self-help. <laughs> the cross is this reminder that we cannot get out of the corner we're stuck in, no matter how much power we think we have. We need help. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, St. Paul puts it like this, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And that's probably what's most unexpected about Good Friday. It's not a solution as to how we can get ourselves out of a mess. 
It's not a map. It's not a plan. It's a surrender of your authority to the God who is with us to rescue us. And that's good news. Because if we're honest, we all seem kind of stuck. And that is why it's Good Friday and not Bad Friday. So may you know this Good Friday, that the cross finds you where you are. Maybe you are stuck and fighting to fix everything yourself. Well, may you know that the hope that comes instead from trusting the Jesus who might not be what you expect. And may you find him to be rich in mercy and let him rescue you. Grace and peace.